there's been big news here in Canada and in Manchester this past week because a little girl, Pearl Gavahan Damasa, has been reunited with her dad. Three years ago, Pearl disappeared and the main suspect was her mom, Helen Gavahan. The two were tracked all the way to Canada where they've been living undercover since. Now, the mother's been arrested in Montreal and Pearl's been reunited with her dad. It's a happy ending, that's what everyone is saying. But I say it's not a happy ending for the mother and probably not a great ending for the little girl either. I mean, I don't know the details, but these things are never cut and dry. I feel for the little girl. Parents have their custody disputes for whatever reason, and most of the time, they are both to blame. And no matter what, it's the kids who suffer. Kids are not commodities for us to own. They are not there to make us happy. They are not ours. True, they have to be protected, and if one parent is abusive, the child may have to be removed. But how sad. It's not a happy ending. It's a tragic story. A little girl who was taken away from her dad for three years now has been taken away from her mom, maybe for a much longer time. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. We have a great show for you today with Andrew Santos and our Saint of the Week and Sheridan with our Diocesan Update. And of course, Krista Matrenko with our news updates. Yes, Pedro, we're going to be talking about the Palestinian question, whether uh, the, United, the United Nations rather should recognize Palestine as a state. And the Vatican has weighed in at the UN this week. And uh, also, there have been a lot of different uh, evaluations of the Pope's trip to Germany. Some people thought it was a success. Some people weren't so sure. And this week we got to hear what the Pope thought. Did good. he think it was a success? Good, good. And, we're gonna, mm-hmm. and you're going to tell us that'll be very shortly. Um, today also Sister Marie Paul Curley of the Daughters of St. Paul. She's going to join us with her, D- her DVD picks. She's got two movies that are good for the whole family to watch. And Chris, do you know what dogmatic theology is? Like if you had to define it. Um... I might have a vague idea, but I don't think I would I, do yeah, a very good job I've, of defining it. I think that's most people. Um, I mean, you know dogma. Right. The word dogma. So Theology, sure. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Father James Mallon of the John Paul II Media Institute in Halifax has just produced an eight-part DVD series on dogmatic theology. But he's coming at it from a very interesting point of view. Hmm. Um, and he's going to be joining us in the second half of our program to tell us all about it. And our featured artist today is Renee Bondi. She's a wonderful singer from California who is also a spinal cord injury survivor. Hmm. Um, she has a new album called Mercies in Disguise, just dropping on October 5th. And so here she is from her new album with Everlasting God.
That was Renee Bondi with Everlasting God from her new album, Mercies in Disguise. We're going to be speaking with Renee in the second half of the program. In about 15 minutes, Sister Marie Paul Curley with her DVD picks for the week. But first, Chris is still here with our news headlines. Well, Pedro, we begin at the United Nations where the Vatican is saying that the world must act courageously to resolve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And today, uh, through Archbishop Dominique Momberti, uh, who is the head of the Secretary for Foreign Relations for the Vatican, addressed the UN General Assembly on Tuesday. Now, the UN is discussing a bid to recognize a Palestinian state. The proposal has divided the world community. A number of nations are in favor, but notably the United States, who is on the Security Council, Canada and Israel, they're all very much opposed to this. Um, the Vatican's top foreign affairs official, Archbishop Mamberti, he didn't say whether the church supports that current proposal, but he did say that for nearly 64, it's been nearly 64 years since the UN first called for a two-state solution, and we're still waiting. Mm. But the Archbishop says that the final objective is for Palestinians to realize their right to an independent state, but also for Israel to obtain their right to security. Ultimately, the Archbishop says that the UN can't resolve this conflict and it must be settled ultimately through a new round of peace talks. And so that uh, part of the process is, is inevitable. Uh, you can't skip that. Now, did the Pope succeed in Germany? He went to Germany uh, this past week, um, I guess a week ago now, and pundits have been pondering that question ever since he returned. Uh, some say that, well, yes, he attracted large numbers of the faithful at every stop. Uh, he engaged Germans in a new conversation about the nation's future, while others were disappointed that there were no major breakthroughs, particularly in relations with Lutherans. He had a number of meetings with Lutherans there. Right. Uh, but what did the Pope think of his trip? Well, he had an opportunity at the general audience this week to speak about it. And uh, typically at the general audience following a papal visit, you, you get this sort of evaluation of his trip. And he said that overall they were intense and wonderful days. And uh, he called it a great feast of faith, this four-day papal visit. And he uh, talked about two particular uh, events. He spoke about a lot of them, but uh, he was particularly effusive about these two events. Uh, there was Marian Vespers uh, that were held, and he said that they were particularly moving. And uh, part of it for him was the location. It was held at Etzelbach, uh, an area of Germany that has always remained Catholic, opposed Nazism, opposed communism, and didn't really go along with the Protestant Reformation that was in the area. And another highlight for the Pope was the prayer vigil on Saturday night with young people. And, uh, and he said that um, faith in his native Germany has a young face. It is alive and it has a future. So he's, he was particularly happy to see the young people. And uh, one more item I'd like to, uh, to discuss. I guess it's kind of a sad item, Pedro. Uh, the beloved founder of the Companions of the Cross is in worsening health. Um, Father Bob Bedard might not be with us much longer, according to the moderator of uh, the community. Mm -hmm. uh, Father Bob founded the Companions of the Cross in 1985. Its priests are in Ottawa, Toronto, Halifax, and Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, they're known for their charismatic spirituality. Um, and Father Bob uh, uh, and the Companions had a television ministry, have a television ministry called Food for Life that uh, some of our listeners might be aware of. And Father Bedard was hospitalized in 2009, 
uh, for a combination of physical and mental health issues, and he's been in long-term care ever since. And so the companions are inviting the faithful to join in a week-long prayer vigil wherever they are, wherever you are um, listening, uh, say a prayer for Father Bob. Absolutely, we will do that. Keep Father Bob in our prayers. Mm-hmm. He's uh, quite quite the man. Of uh, have you met him? Incredible individual yeah, who, in, in my last uh, in my last work um, in campus ministry in work, Ottawa. I got to know him quite well. Yeah. and he would uh, uh, frequently come and assist with events on our our campus, listen to confessions, and. Uh, an incredible individual. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we'll keep Father Bob Bedard in our, in our prayers. Thank you, Chris, for that. Um, Chris Dimitrenko, our Salt and Light Radio news producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, we'd love to hear from you. Our email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. If you want to see what we look like, check us out at saltandlighttv.org. And to find out our Saint of the Week, stay right here. Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. All right, Pedro. Uh, For this week, here's a little trivia for you and our listeners. Uh Uh-oh. Uh, the saint we will be looking at this week was born with the name Giovanni Francesco di Bernadon. Bernadone. <laughs> okay, I... Um, yeah. Who could I possibly be talking well, about? Well, I know the... Yeah, it's St. Francis. Yep, none other than St. Francis of Assisi. Nice. So, yes, St. Francis of Assisi was born Giovanni Francesco di Bernadone uh-huh. sometime in either the year 1181 or 1182. It hasn't been... Down. Yeah, they don't know. So now St. Francis was an Italian Catholic friar and a preacher. He founded the Men's Franciscan Order. He also founded the Women's Order of St. Clair and the Lay Third Order of St. Francis. More particularly, he is actually one of the most venerated religious figures in history. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So looking back at his story um, from his childhood, he was the son of a wealthy cloth merchant in Assisi. And he lived a high-spirited life, which, you know, would be typical of a wealthy guy. Yeah. Wealthy young man. Yeah. So, actually, he even had the chance to fight as a soldier Mm -hmm. for the Assisi army. Mm -hmm. So, while going off to war in 1204, Francis had a vision that saw him being directed back to Assisi, where he then lost his taste for his worldly life. Um, Breaking it down a little bit more, in that vision, while on a pilgrimage to Rome, Francis, St. Francis begged with the beggars at St. Peter's. Now, this profound experience with the beggars moved him to carry out a very simplistic life, um, a a simplistic life that's lived in poverty. So St. Francis returned home, where he began preaching on the streets. And, you know, many people began to take notice of him and his, his newfound way of life. So his order was thus endorsed by Pope Innocent III in the year 1210. So following that, St. Francis then went and founded the Order of Poor Clares. And he also founded, as I mentioned earlier, the Third Order of Brothers and the Sisters of Penance. So by the time the year 1219 came around, St. Francis of Assisi went to Egypt, where the Crusaders were besieging uh, Demietta, hoping uh-huh. to find uh, martyrdom at the hands of the Muslims. Right. So by this point, the Franciscan Order had grown and grown and grown. So when you fast forward hundreds of years later and look at the Franciscan movement, look how, look yeah. how far they've grown. Yeah, no, they have. So wow. back to St. Francis. Yeah. 
He returned to Italy to get his order in order. Okay. Okay. So once his organization was endorsed uh, ecclesiastically by the Pope, he really began to withdraw from all of, you know, um, his external affairs. So in the year 1223, St. Francis of Assisi arranged for the first Christmas manger scene. Right, yes. Now, actually, this is quite something, um, Pedro. In 1224, St. Francis of Assisi received a stigmata. Yes. Um, He's very well known for that. Yes. Um, He received a stigmata, making him the first person to bear the physical wounds of Jesus' passion. Yeah. So, on July 16, 1228, he was pronounced a saint by Pope Gregory. Um, He is known as the patron saint of animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the patron saint of the environment and one of the two patrons of the country of Italy, along with St. Catherine of Siena. Mm-hmm. And it is customary for Catholic and Anglican churches to hold liturgies um, about blessing animals mm-hmm. uh, on his feast day, which is coming up this coming Tuesday, that being the 4th of October. October 4th. And well, he died the day before, yeah. on the 3rd of October, in the year 1226, while singing Psalm 141. Really? How beautiful. Well, yeah, St. Francis is probably the, the first person that comes to mind when someone says, think of a saint. St. Francis. Yeah, um, exactly. Good, yeah, the guy who uh, made the first manger scene. I didn't know he'd been to Egypt, so that's new information for me. Well, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you, Andrew, Andrew Santos, our saint expert. Um, and in about five minutes, uh, Sheridan's going to be here with what's happening across our country, so stay tuned. Hello, this is John Michael Talbot. I I listen to to the Catholic Channel when I drive. Good. On the road, at least when it's interesting. And, uh, (laughs) well, you are, by the way, brother. Well, thank you. I love this program and I love love the Catholic Channel. So support Salt and Light and support Sirius Radio, the Catholic Channel. My name is Pedro. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Salt and Light TV, and you can read our blog at uh, saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And now it's time for... DVD Picks with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Welcome, Sister Marie Paul. Thank you, Pedro. So how was your summer? You know, it was great, um, and I'm still enjoying the warm weather of this early fall. So if, if you'd like to stretch out summer a little longer, you can spend some time in a warm climate with the films that I've picked out for this episode. Okay, good. So what, what films uh, do you want to share with us? Um, the first is Soul Surfer. Ah, uh, yes. Have you seen it? It's, yes, I have. It's the film, it's based on the true story of Bethany Hamilton, who is a very talented young surfer who lost her arm. Um, in a shark attack at mm-hmm. age 13. Uh, and the film is really kind of a straight story, uh, straight shot story, um, showing what she was like before, the accident itself, and then how her family coped with this terrible tragedy. Um, the film's performances are a joy to watch. Uh-huh. Anna Sophia Robb is, is ter- maturing wonderful. into a wonderful actress. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, and um, Dennis Quaid and Helen Hunt are her parents. Mm-hmm. And what I love... What I especially love about the film are the strong family relationships. Um, they're, they're a devout Christian family. They worship together every Sunday. Um, Bethany takes part in youth events for her church. But above all, it's their love and support and how they live their faith in their day-to-day life that gives, seems to give Bethany the foundation for coping with this tragedy. Right. Um, 
the most powerful moment of the film for me, I think, was when Bethany really starts struggling with the question, um, why did God let this happen to me? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the film does a good job with this because it doesn't give us an easy answer. Because there isn't an easy answer. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I wonder, Pedro, like, it, it really, for me, I, I think all of us have to struggle with this individually. And, and God works with each of us individually and is going to shepherd us through the tragedies of life very personally. And mm-hmm. I think the movie is a wonderful witness to that. So it takes a lighter approach. It's certainly not a theology class. Um, it's entertainment. But it does inspire us with Bethany's um, wholehearted um, going forward despite the tragedy that happens to her. So yeah. recommend Soul Surfer. Good. And it's a true story and it's for the family. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. The second film I was looking at made me laugh out loud, I don't know how many times, which is hard to do. Okay. <laughs> it's called Rio, uh-huh. and it's directed by Carlos Saldano, Saldana, who um, also brought us the Ice Age movies. Mm-hmm. And it's quite light and funny, um, and it's brilliant in its animation, but it does have some deeper themes for those who are more reflective. Um, on the surface, it's a very colorful animated story about a blue macaw who is learning to fly when he is birdnapped or kidnapped, yeah. uh, stolen from his home in the wilds of Brazil and brought to uh, North America, where he's rescued and raised um, by his lovely owner, Linda. And um, they end up traveling back to Brazil to see the only other blue macaw left in the world. Um, so there's this whole journey theme to the film, um, as well as very funny moments, because Blue is a domesticated macaw and can't fly and tries repeatedly in the film to fly. Um, but there's also some deeper touches to the film, um, things like they use the image of the statue of Christ the Redeemer overlooking the city of Rio de Janeiro, uh-huh. and it just gives this sense of Christ watching over us. Um, and the, the fact that they use the environment of Brazil and Rio de Janeiro so in such a lovely way um, representing its beauties, but then also the poverty um, in the character, you know, the boy who's living on the street, who captures Blue as a way to survive. Right. So the, the themes of growth, I don't know if you can say personal growth when you're talking about a bird, but well, the characters grow, don't yeah, they? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I think this would be a very fun film to watch with the family, um, as, as well as providing a little more. Good. So two good films for, for families to, to rent or watch on demand together. Um, maybe Soul Surfer for, for younger, sorry, for older kids. Yes. And I, Rio for, for everyone. Yeah, I would say Rio's for everyone. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. So Soul Surfer and Rio, two good films. Uh, that, those are Sister Marie Paul's DVD picks. I, I, I don't know if people are even renting DVDs anymore. But anyway, you, if you can, rent them. If not, look for them on demand. Um, thank you very much. Thank you, Pedro. Sister Marie Paul Curley, she's with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org radio or off iTunes. And here now is Sheridan with our diocesan update. Hi, Pedro, hey. and hi, everyone out there. So starting out in Vancouver, we've got Catholic After Hours. They're hosting an art and history tour of Holy Rosary Cathedral, and that's going to be led by Father Glenn Dion. And that's next Saturday, October the 8th, um, in the afternoon, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m. 
and a $2 donation is suggested. And then afterwards, they're going to meet at uh, St. Regis Pub. And, uh, you know, for more information, check out their Facebook page, Catholic After Hours, or, you know, check out uh, the events listing at rcib.org. And in Alberta, uh, Alberta Pro-Life and Life Canada are sponsoring a pro-life conference, and that's going to be in about three weeks' time, October the 27th through mm-hmm. to the 29th. And it's entitled Life 2011, Committing to Change the Culture and Experts in Euthanasia, Abortion, Adoption, and Frontline Crisis Care Ministries are going to talk about you know, opportunities and challenges that lie ahead. And for more information, uh, check out albertaprolife.com. And in North York, um, Ontario, the pilgrim statue of Our Lady of the Cape is visiting parishes uh, with Father Yolande Ouellette. And uh, a typical Marian evening with Our Lady of the Cape consists of a celebration of Mass in the evening, mm-hmm. and then a candlelight procession and the crowning of the pilgrim statue of Our Lady. And then rosary will also be prayed before Mass. And a basket is placed at the foot of the statue to receive intentions uh, or petitions for Our Lady's intercession. Nice. And uh, that's in parishes in Hamilton and North York throughout the month, and that's starting today and uh, you can check out our lady of the cape shrine.com for more information and then uh, finally in montreal quebec they're welcoming back all their world youth day pilgrims uh, that's sunday october yeah. the 16th at 4 p.m so it's about two weeks from now and uh, the launch they're going to be launching their new pastoral year for youth ministry and that's at santa cruz mission at uh, 60 rue rachel west so mm-hmm. that's 60 uh, west rachel west road and you can check out dioceseMontreal.org for more details. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm sure that the welcoming of World Day Pilgrims events are happening also in other dioceses. Yes, across um, the country. Yeah, I was going to say, you were talking about Our Lady of the Cape. Um, did you know, uh, because most, see, growing up in Latin America, uh, most countries have some sort of shrine or statue right. of Our Lady that is associated, she's either the patroness of the country or something. Right. Like our, our Lady, Lady of the Guadal- Cape, yeah, like Our Lady of Guadalupe oh, yeah. is the, uh, uh, for Mexico, but also yeah. in different countries, Nuestra Señora de Aparecida in Brazil. Mm-hmm. In Canada, it's Our Lady of the Cape. Mm-hmm. She is the, the official Mary Marian patroness of Canada. And it is such a beautiful, I mean, I love Mary as well. I have a special devotion to her. So, you know, praying the rosary and you know, praying with her and venerating her, her, you know, the shrine. Yeah. It's just a beautiful spiritual pilgrimage. Yes, very good. Yeah. So uh, if you're in Hamilton or North York uh, in Ontario, go go find out about uh, Our Lady of the Cape, the statue that's uh, doing her pilgrimage through various parishes. And uh, again, for all uh I guess uh, a diocesan event yeah. is as easy as checking out your yeah. diocesan. All the dioceses across Canada have websites. Yes. So check, and check them, out. them out regularly. Yes, regularly. There's lots going on. Um, coming up in our second half hour, Father James Mallon of the John Paul II Media Institute will be with us talking about his dogmatic theology DVD series and also a featured chat with singer, songwriter, and spinal cord injury survivor, Renee Bondi. So don't go anywhere.
what do you get when you spell dog backwards? Well, Father James Mallon knows because he has a dog and he has created a video series that shows how his experience with his dog has deepened his experience with his God. And Father James joins us now to tell us about dogmatic theology. Father James, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Thanks, Pedro. It's good to be back. So, so your dog. Yes. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Couldn't be more serious. Uh, how did that all happen? Well, I, I think um, probably there was just little things that, that he would do, and, uh, and I'd find myself thinking about a scripture passage or something. I mean, the most obvious thing, I think, uh, with dogs is they're, they're just kind of like so loving, you know, kind of yeah. like... He would be loving towards everyone, doesn't matter who you are. And yeah. I, I think I think the first spark was thinking that, you know, as one of God's creatures, uh, you know, this affection and, and love that seems to come from him, it's got to be a little bit of a reflection of of the love of God. And then one day I was I was at the park and uh, I was I was throwing a tennis ball and I was watching him run, and he he can run really 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 quickly and he kind of put his ears back and just go for it. And, yeah. And as I was watching him being so perfectly a dog, <laughs> I found myself like, like taking total joy in it. He just, he filled me with joy, a big grin on my face, and I just felt joy watching him being a dog. And then, and then I thought, man, I, w- I wonder what it means, like, you know, like, uh, yeah, I think it was St. Irenaeus who said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Uh-huh. Like, when we, when we are perfectly who we are created to be, does that give joy to God? And of course, the scriptures are full of these references about God taking pleasure in us and rejoicing in us, and and then thinking, you know, if if I can take joy in my dog, yeah, what is what is what is God's reaction to us? And, and so right. these things, yeah. I take him for a walk, and he's straight on the leash, and I think of you know like Paul's letter where he said, you know, I I strain ahead, forgetting uh-huh. what lies behind, or. Uh, in the time he ate my Bible, he ate my Greek New Testament, and like he totally, he got drunk on brandy beans, and totally trashed my favorite Greek New Testament. He he ate the entire Book of Revelations and nibbled on the Epistles of Saint Paul and took a chunk out of the Acts of the Apostles. And I still have the remains of this Bible, oh, full of teeth marks. And and I thought he even eats the Word of God. Oh, that's great. Well, we're called to. So what does that mean? And then and then uh, one time he he ate two chickens. He stole two chickens from nuns and uh, took them out of the pan and ate everything, bones, string, everything. And uh, he had to go to the hospital and get, like, total surgery or he would have died. You right. Know? Like, yeah. Isn't that kind of like what sin is like? Oh. You know, it's not just breaking rules. It's like doing dumb stuff that seems good at a time. Yeah. And it can really cause us hurt and damage and, and, and so on and so forth. And, okay, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I thought, one, well, I'm going to write, a, I'd love to write a book someday called dogmatic theology. Yeah, okay. And it would be, and I looked, I thought of about 30 different chapters. And that was the original idea. Simply okay. because, watch it. And then his name is Monzi, which is short for Monsignor. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, so he's perfect. a church dog, you know. Okay. So, so there's he's been around pl- churches all his life. Right. So there's the play on word, of course, dog and dogmatic theology. Now, sure, of course. I, I suspect that most people, most people, I mean, we might have heard dogmatic, we know dogma, but what is dogmatic theology? Well, dogmatic theology is a more of a traditional title for a branch of theology that today is often called systematic theology. Uh, so, okay. Uh, the best way to describe systematic theology, what it is, is to tell you what it's not. 
So in theological studies, you would study scripture. You would do scriptural studies. Yeah. That's not systematic theology. No. You could do studies of moral theology. That's not systematic theology. That's moral theology. Okay. You can do pastoral theology, which tells you how to work with people and how to do this and how to do that. That's not systematic theology either. You can study history, church history. And right. you might study all of these things in a theology degree, but none of it is systematic or dogmatic theology. Dogmatic theology is the theology of the Trinity. Uh-huh. It's the theology of, 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 of Christ. We call that Christology. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. The theology of the Church, ecclesiology, the theology yeah. of salvation and grace, soteriology, yeah. the theology of last things, eschatology. So they, the, it's the branch of theology that looks specific about, specifically at Christian doctrine, in teaching and faith, yeah. Well, what okay. are the core doctrines of our belief? That's okay. dogmatic theology. Okay, so then you've you, this idea for a book ended up being a video, a DVD series. Exactly. And well, so, one day we were sitting around as a team saying, "What's the best use of our resources to make stuff?" And they said, "Well, let's make another course because we did a course a couple years ago and it's continuing yeah. to go to go well, and it's kind of like the best long-term investment because it has a almost like a ten-year." time period to continue to get you yeah. know to get sales which we then reinvest into 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 new new projects mm-hmm. so i said in one condition that it would that it wouldn't just be me and it there would be lots of different people and different uh pieces to it right so we came up and and it was one of our team who proposed this idea of taking the book idea making it into a, a dvd series so uh-huh. each week has different parts so the, it starts with a about a one minute Goofy dog story, okay? So with me and my dog, okay? And we're outside wherever. And then there's the opening sequence. And then we go into the studio with the live audience for about 12 minutes where basically I take like this time he ate my Bible and I begin to say, okay, what does my dog eating my Bible have to do with Mm -hmm. us and our prayer lives? So I begin to do a little teaching on Scripture. And then we have a break. We actually have a real-life dogmatic theologian And uh, he comes on, and he does a, a seven- to eight-minute teaching. And his stuff is a bit more intellectual. Right. Now, we take him out and about. So he's uh, driving a car. He's in a pool bar. He's walking right. down the street. He's in a chemistry lab. He's up in an airplane. He's in a prison cell, a doctor's office. Uh-huh. Uh, we took him all over the place. And that was, that was <laughs> in terms of the, the work to, to, to produce that, was, was a lot of work. Right. So his piece is more intellectual. Then we come back into the studio for more of my stuff, and then at the end we finish with a seven- to eight-minute documentary uh-huh. of a real-life person telling their story. Like a little witness. What would be Exactly, yeah. exactly. And these nice. are really, really well done, and um, nice. again, we're a lot of work. And yeah. so all of these segments together make up a, an average episode of Dogmatic Theology, which usually clocks in around 45, 46 minutes. Okay, so now, you, you uh, in case our listeners maybe don't know, so you <laughs> referred to your the first uh, video project that you did, the Catholicism uh, 201. Mm-hmm. That's right, I always get yeah. it. 201, and that's perfect for use in, in like a, a parish group or even a classroom. It's a teaching thing. Is this the same idea that you see with this, that it can be shown yeah, in no. a group and, and it's part of a larger discussion? Yeah, we see this as principally something, a, a tool used in parishes. So you get people together, have you know some, some fellowships, maybe some food or something, and watch the video and then have small group discussions. We actually have uh, a manual, a 140-page manual that, that comes with a course and um, there are just small group discussion questions for each week, and there are homework questions. The home, there are questions for your own prayer right. and reflection. 
and the manual is chock full of, of, uh, of tasty goodness. Now, so this is for anyone who's interested in learning about theology. Yeah, yeah basically, it, it, I'd say that the, the scope of the course is, is basic discipleship. Okay. So it would presume um, a belief in God. It would, you know, it would presume perhaps an, an, at least an openness to the person of Christ. So it's, it's basic evangelization and discipleship. So week one is called I Believe in Dog. It's, it's on the unconditional love of God. That's the real focus, okay? Uh-huh. Un- God's unconditional love. Week two is called You Did Not Choose Me, and, and it's on coming into relationship with God. So it's really about the Trinity. Right. Coming into relationship with God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Week three is called The Seven Dogly Sins, hmm. and it's on sin, guilt, and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Week four is called uh, Cages and Fences, and it's on uh, surrendering to Christ. Week five is called Yum Scripture, and it's on eating the Word of God. Week six is called The Collar and the Leash, and it's on the Lordship of Jesus Christ, living under the Lordship of Christ. Right. Week seven is uh, week seven and eight are a bit different. Week seven deals with the problem of suffering, right? And it's called it's a dog's life, right? And week eight is called the dogs go to heaven, and its its subject is mortality, grief, and eternal life. How how does our yeah. faith wow. and our grief intersect? Wow, and I... they're very heavy weeks. I mean, they, <laughs> it it moves from being goofy and funny to being actually quite it's, serious. It sounds pretty amazing, actually. I when I first heard about it, I thought, wow, and I saw the trailer. And it just looks really, 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 it's really well done. And it looks like it, it, it's nourishing people, which is what we need. And it made me think about, I mean, there's Be- Pope Benedict has this whole new push towards the new evangelization. And that's well, this kinda, is the thing. Well, that's what you're doing, right? Sometimes in church we're talking to ourselves. Yes. And, you know, some people may say, well, you know, aren't you just kind of buying into this whole, like, ridiculous dog thing and, you know, people exalting their pets? And, yeah. and well, if that's the culture we have to talk to... That's... That's how we're going to do it. And it's not that there's not truth in how people love their pets, but it's the fact that it's exaggerated. Well, you know, if that's the language where people are at, let's touch a drawbridge down onto that experience and help them to walk across. Yeah, no, it's great. It's a great idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to my own copy. Um, so Father James <laughs> Mallon, he's a, yeah. a, a priest in the Archdiocese of uh, beautiful Halifax. Um, I, I hear you're having a, a, a beautiful day and you're standing right by the ocean. So say hello to the Atlantic uh, Ocean there for indeed. me. Hello indeed. And, uh, and thank uh, you. The listeners can see more, hear more uh, at dogmatictheology.com. Yeah. Okay, yeah, absolutely. So we will, we're going to put that link on our website as well so that it's really easy to find. Uh, Father James Mallon, thank you for, uh, for telling us about your new project today. Thanks, Pedro. God bless. You too. And again, you can find out more about Dogmatic Theology and how to get the series at dogmatictheology.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Renee Bondi, with Blessings from her new album. We pray for blessings. We pray for peace. protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And all the while you hear each spoken need, 
So what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? That was Renee Bondi with Blessings from her new album, Mercies in Disguise. At age 29, Renee Bondi was engaged to be married. She had a thriving career as a music teacher. She had a loving family. Things were great. But then one night, a bizarre accident shattered her spine and left her quadriplegic. Her life was changed forever. Renee lost 
all the use of her hands and legs, but also her singing voice. She could barely even speak above a whisper. But not willing to accept that her life was over, Renee turned to God. Then against everything the doctor said, Renee's voice was miraculously restored. And now Renee is in full-time ministry, sharing her story and her music. And today she's sharing her story and her music with us here on Salt and Light Radio. Renee, it's so good to have you on the program. Hello, Pedro. It's great to connect with you again. I know. It's been 10 years. Can you imagine? Can I know. You believe it's it? amazing years. how it just blows by. I know. It? It's great. And you've been very, very busy. But I, before we talk about what you've been doing, I kind of want to go back to, because you've been singing all your life before yes. you were married, before the accident. Um, what was it like growing up, uh, growing up in terms of music? Was it a very musical household? Were you taking music lessons? I started taking voice lessons uh, as a freshman in high school uh-huh. at my all-girls Catholic school that I was <laughs> attending. Sister Mary Catherine Sherman was my first voice teacher. Yeah. Uh, and then soon after that, um, our pastor at our parish invited me to be the music director, and that's really, that's really where mean. my love for music ministry began. And you were always involved in church? Was it a, like, a very Catholic family growing up? Very much so, yes. We are... Okay. Uh, um, product of Catholic school K through 12, and of course involved in our parish. Right. So my my real love for singing for Jesus came um, out of liturgical music initially. Right. And then, as God would have it, um, He kind of blew open the doors uh, <laughs> for me to do much more um, than right. parish work, even though that's very powerful powerful ministry in itself. Right. So, so once uh, after the, well, after you dove from your bed in the middle of the night and cracked your spine, the, the, it, turning to God was not. I mean, was that a natural response? You know, it's you? interesting that you you asked that. Yes, it was. I think it's really important. And now that I'm a wife and a mom of a 16 year old, oh, wow. I really I really understand now, um, even more so, the importance of of building those habits of faith. I praise God that my parents pointed me to Jesus. I praise God that my teachers pointed me to Jesus. Mm -hmm. I praise God that my pastor pointed me to Jesus um, as a young child and then um, a teenager. Because when I was, as you said, 29 years old and laying on the floor Mm -hmm. waiting for the paramedics to come, Mm -hmm. uh, when I had broken my neck, it was very natural for me to right away go to our Heavenly Father and say, right. Lord, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening, but this pain in my neck is, is crazy. <laughs> Lord, will you please take this pain away? Lord, please let these paramedics get here quickly. Lord, I don't know what's going on here, but please, will you go before me on this? Right. And, and he, so as yeah. the months continued in, in the hospital and in physical therapy, of course there were days that were just... They were horrible. I mean, they were very difficult um, to realize that one day you could be dancing with your fiancé and the next day never able to move your legs or your hands again. Um, But boy, does God show up in the valley. And being Mm -hmm. able to spend time with our Lord and saying, praying honestly, Lord, I don't get it, I don't like it, but I'm sticking with you. And He is faithful. It, it would it would be the obvious thing that people would say, well, that your ministry is, is directed mostly to people with disabilities or people who've had uh, uh, um, um, uh, amazing changes in their lives. 
But would you say that your ministry is more not that specific, but kind of more open to to just offering people hope? It it really is uh, wider than maybe a specific yeah. demographic. Um, recently, just in the last two weeks, uh, I've had the privilege, and, and I say privilege because it is uh, a privilege to minister in uh, some local prisons in our area right, yes. and to speak to 80 women in prison that are mothers uh, wow. and um, talk with them and pray with them. Also, uh, a, a shelter for homeless families mm-hmm. and being able to go and speak and um, bring God's Word and sing with them and and let them know that they're not forgotten, that they're mm-hmm. not alone. That Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 is true, because I've lived it, mm-hmm. being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you yeah. will be faithful to complete it. Pedro, I, I, I see in my own life, my own personal life, when I thought, how can I live this way as a quadriplegic? that I thought my life was over. I thought, of course my fiancé would leave me. You know, How mm. could my siblings, my parents, care for me and, and, and at times have to wipe me up like a baby and, yeah. you know, when I didn't have you know, control of my body and, and all of this? But now 20, how many years is later? 22 <laughs> years later, 23 years later, yeah. uh, you know, Mike stayed with me. We are celebrating 22 years of marriage That's this amazing. year. Congratulations. I gave, I gave birth. Thank you. Praise God. I praise Mike. Uh, yes. <laughs> but um, now, and gave six and years into our marriage, gave birth to a beautiful boy son, who's, yeah. who's now a great kid and loves to sing and is singing in, in his um, campus ministry band as well. And, and how great that God would give me a, a child who loves to sing. How mm-hmm. cool is that? And so, so all of this to say that when I go to the prisons and, or go to these shelters, um, it is such a privilege to be able to engage with these people and, and help be a witness visually because they see my wheelchair, yeah, they yeah. see what I'm doing. And, mm-hmm. and, and so right away they say, okay, there's a, She's gone through something here <laughs> yeah, yeah. because it's a visual, yep. and be able to pray with them and say, mm-hmm. "God will, will bring you out of this." Yeah, I know it to be true. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the album. We're kind of running out of time. Um, Mercies in disguise. Why did why that title? Is that your experience? Because uh, the title of Mercies in disguise is because when I first bro- broke my neck, how in the world could I look at this? quadriplegia, this wheelchair, as a blessing or yeah. a mercy. Yeah. You know, when people said, thank you for this cross, I'd say, yeah, right, that ain't me. Mm. <laughs> I'm not there yet. But you know what? I'm there now. And uh, when, I, when I really started looking into God's Word and looking at things like Philippians 4, 8, yeah. whatever is true, right, noble, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, St. Paul says, think about such things then I could start focusing on, on what good was coming out of this. And it really has been a blessing. It really has mm-hmm. been a, a mercy that God has given me. He's been merciful to bring me out of my emotional pain and depression of, of suddenly becoming quadriplegic for life. Right. So we wanted this, um, this album to be inspired by the mercy that God gives us. Mm-hmm. Uh, each and every day, his mercies mm-hmm. are made new so the, every morning. So the song that we we heard just 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 now, blessings, is also echoing that same sentiment. 
that there's all these blessings. Exactly. It was beautifully written by Laura Story. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yes, I I need to be writing more of my own things, but when I when I heard this, I said, "Laura, you nailed this." Hmm. We did a re- uh, retreat together, and and I just you're, or we're, excuse me, we're going to be doing a retreat together, and and I just felt she did a super job, and I thought, you know, why recreate it when she when crafted such a beautiful yeah. song. Good. And then you mentioned Philippians 4, 8, and that's, we're actually going to play that song right after Think About That. Is about I that think it's Bible really th- important to memorize God's Word. Yeah. Um, I really you. do. I think it's important to have it hidden in your heart so that you can grab onto it anytime, anywhere, mm-hmm. for any reason. Mm-hmm. And think about that. The whole chorus is Philippians 4, 8. Kind of set to an R&B groove, mm-hmm. but it really sticks in your head. And I hope that your listeners are able to use it as a way to um, instill and, and set God's Word on their heart so that they can grab onto it anytime. Good. Well, Renee, it's been great talking to you. Um, we're completely out of time. Um, there's lots... I mean, you're busy doing concerts. You could go to your website, and, and there's, you're always doing stuff. So that's great. Um, people who are in California can probably find you and go to a concert. They can also find you at your website, ReneeBondi.com, if they want to book you for an event. You're open to that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Got to pay the and bills. And I know a lot of people wonder about Renee. It's R-E-N-E-E-B-O-N-D-I.com. And I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to come to your parish or to, your, to, to any um, events that I can minister to. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that after listening to your music and, 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 and meeting you a little bit uh, right now, people are going to be um, more interested. So ReneeBondi.com. We're going to put that link on our website as well. Uh, Renee with two E's, three E's, but two E's at the end. <laughs> um, <laughs> and thank you so much. Uh, it's been really great, Renee. Um, let's stay in touch, okay? Thank you, Pedro. May the Lord continue to bless your powerful ministry. You too. Again, that was Renee Bondi. Her album, Mercies in Disguise. You can buy it and get more information on Renee at her website, ReneeBondi.com. And here now is Renee with that song we were just talking about, Think About That from her new album, Mercies in Disguise. There is nothing like the colors of the autumn leaves Nothing like a sunset sky And when I look at the stars in the heavens I can't believe my eyes There is nothing like the sweetness of a smile Nothing like the embrace of a friend And when I see the heart of a child Whatever is pure, whatever is 
We're listening to Renee Bondi with Think About That from her album Mercies in Disguise. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. And to follow us closely, you can do so at Facebook and on Twitter. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. We cannot do our work without your support. So thank you and God bless you. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. Let's think about